She was a prostitute. Sure, the scripture might call her a sinner, but when everyone in this town knows this woman's reputation, that she is a notorious sinner, the undeniable implication here is that this woman was a harlot. She sold her body for money. We don't know how she became a prostitute. Similar to today, back then little girls didn't dream of growing up one day and becoming a prostitute. It was not an admirable career path. Maybe she was raised as a sex slave and this was the only life she knew. In the ancient Near East, if a family came under financial hardship, sometimes they would sell their daughters into prostitution, sex slavery. It still happens today. Or maybe she lost her parents or she wasn't attached to a man and in order to survive and not starve, she had to become a harlot. Or maybe she became a prostitute by choice. But what is clear in our text this morning is that she didn't want that life anymore. And in Jesus Christ, she had found forgiveness, healing, and hope. She came to a place where she could say, I am no longer a sex object to be used and abused. I am a child of God. This woman had experienced new life in Jesus' name. In her past sins, which were many, Jesus says, had been forgiven. And friends, when you encounter, when you truly encounter the overwhelming grace of God, nothing is going to get in your way to going to Jesus and saying thank you. Because when we understand the power and the weight and the depth of God's grace for us, we are always led to a place of worship. So this woman had heard that Jesus was at Simon's house eating dinner. She knew who Simon was. The squeaky clean Pharisee. Simon wouldn't have even looked in her direction before, but she's going to walk right into his house and she is going to anoint the feet of Jesus, the one who has come proclaiming good news to the poor, release to those held captive just like her. And on the other hand, we have Simon Simon was intrigued by Jesus. Jesus' reputation was growing throughout the land as a great teacher and a worker of miracles. Simon had undoubtedly heard that Jesus had been curing diseases. He had been casting out demons. Jesus had been restoring sight to the blind. Simon was intrigued, but skeptical. He wanted to know, is this Jesus really a prophet? course he was more than a prophet so he invites Jesus into his home 
But Simon does not treat Jesus with the honor that a good host should in first century Judaism. Everyone knows that if a distinguished guest comes into your home like a rabbi, you're supposed to provide them water so they might wash their feet. You're supposed to give them oil that they might anoint their head. And you always, always greet them with a kiss. It's a sign of respect. But Simon doesn't do any of that. And Jesus noticed. Jesus takes his place at the table. And everyone sitting at this table would have been reclining, leaning forward with their left elbow on the table so that they could eat with their right hand and their feet would have been behind them. Where you place your feet at a meal in ancient Israel was important. You never put your feet near the table, near the food, so that people don't have to smell your stinky feet. (laughs) Some people wore sandals, at least those who could afford them. But many people went barefoot. And you have to remember, in towns and in cities in that day, there was little to no plumbing. And so people would keep a bucket in their house, and that would be their bathroom. And when the bucket was full, you would walk it out to the window, and you'd throw it out into the street, where people would walk, often barefoot. So feet were pretty gross. In fact, wealthy people would have a slave in charge of washing feet. It was a lowly position. In fact, a disciple would never even dare to wash his rabbi's feet, which is why it was so scandalous that Jesus wraps the towel around himself in John's gospel and bows down and washes his disciples' feet, modeling humility and love. But the woman from our story today doesn't care about customs or status. She just wants Jesus to know that she's grateful, that she loves him. When she comes into Simon's house, she doesn't scream or shout or even speak. She just stands behind Jesus, weeping at his feet. Tears of remorse. Tears of relief, maybe tears of joy. And when she notices that her tears are falling on Jesus' feet, she lets down her hair and begins to dry them. Letting down your hair in public as a woman was a very scandalous thing to do at this time. The equivalent today would be like a woman going into public topless. That's how scandalous this was. But she doesn't care. She is so overwhelmed with love and gratitude for Christ that it doesn't, she doesn't care what anybody thinks. She doesn't care what anybody says. And so at Jesus' feet, she begins to kiss his feet. Again, something that people would not do during her time. And then she begins to anoint his feet with an expensive, scented ointment, perhaps one of her most prized possessions. And while all of this 
is unfolding. Simon says in his heart, says to himself, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is that's touching him, that she's a sinner. And so Simon secretly makes his judgment about the woman and Jesus. But Jesus always knows what's going on inside the heart. And so Jesus tells Simon a parable about two debtors who owed a creditor. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. A denarii was a day's, a full day's wage. So the guy who owes 500 denarii would be paying that off for years. Maybe the rest of his life, depending how old he is. But when neither of them could pay, the creditor cancels both debts. And Jesus asked Simon, who do you think would love the creditor more? Of course, Jesus' parable and this entire story is meant to draw a contrast between the sinful woman and Simon the Pharisee. Simon is skeptical of Jesus, but the sinful woman loves and adores Jesus, is overflowing with gratitude. Simon has failed as a host. He has not received Christ well. But the sinful woman has fulfilled all of Simon's hosting obligations, and then some, and this is not even her home. Simon is filled with pride and arrogance, and self-righteousness. But the woman, well, she is filled with humility and meekness. What Simon fails to realize is that he needs forgiveness just as much as the woman, if not more. In fact, the woman has already been forgiven. Jesus tells her in front of everyone, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But what about Simon? Simon's unable to see his own pride, his own self-righteousness, his own judgment of others is preventing him from receiving the Savior. Pride, friends is the deadliest of sins because often we don't even know when it's infecting us. About five weeks ago, I started to have some lower back pain. And a few days into the pain, it got so bad that I started throwing up. And I remember thinking, well, that's strange. I should probably go talk to a doctor. <laughs> but I didn't. And so I went to Kentucky for school for two weeks, and a few days in, the pain got so bad that I had to go to the ER, and I soon discovered that I had a, a kidney stone, which let me tell you, those are a lot of fun. Highly recommend the kidney stone. Well, after the ER visit, I started to feel a little bit better. I thought I had passed it, but when I got home last week, the pain returned with a vengeance 
Actually, while I was at church on Sunday, Dr. Smith was preaching. I was listening, though. Well, after trying to pass it for about five weeks, I finally had it surgically removed on Friday. So, full disclosure, a lot of this sermon was written when I was on drugs. (laughs) The legal kind of drugs, okay? But friends, I spent the first 15 days of this experience not knowing what was wrong with me denying that there was something wrong with me. Again, my own fault, my own pride. I was in pain and I didn't want to acknowledge it. And let me tell you, I definitely couldn't see it. As it is with pride. There's something wrong with our heart. There's something wrong with our soul, but you can't always see it. And it takes Jesus coming in and opening our eyes to our pride. You have to pray, oh God, show me where is my pride. And friends, that takes a willingness to confess. It takes a willingness to find humility. Pride is toxic because it cuts us off from God and it distorts how we see others as beloved children of God. Scripture says again and again and again that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If pride is the elevation and love of self, then humility is the key to seeing others as God wants us to see them. Humility is the key to loving others as God wants us to love them. The sinful woman from our story today is the model for humility and love. We have a serious shortage of humility in our culture today. Everyone is an expert on everything. Relationships, politics, philosophy, ethics, religion. We think because we can Google something or because we read an article that someone posted on Facebook that we are woke and enlightened and surely we have it all figured out, don't we? And so judgment, self-righteousness, and pride, although they might look differently today than they did 2,000 years ago, just as pervasive as ever. And especially in the church. But show me the humble. Show me the meek. Show me the gracious ones. Show me those who know they need forgiveness. Show me those who have experienced forgiveness. And there you will find someone with great capacity to love. The truth of our story this morning is that Simon was in need of salvation far more than the woman and he didn't even know it. The question we must ask ourselves this morning, church family, is this. How will you receive Christ? How will you receive his grace? Like the woman 
who had experienced forgiveness? Or like Simon, who didn't even know he needed it? The woman received grace with joy. She loved with passion and devotion. And Simon, with his pride and self-righteousness, was blind toward his own need for forgiveness. He was blind to the beauty of the Savior who was sitting right in front of him at his own table. Simon didn't even know that now he was the one with the great debt. As Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And pride, pride is the sneakiest and the deadliest of sins. But if you want to experience the fullness of of God's love and God's hope and God's transformation, then it begins by understanding the depth of God's grace for you and the cost of that grace for you and for me. Because the one whom little is forgiven loves little. But the one who understands how much they've been forgiven whether it is because of promiscuity or pride or any sin in between, the one who understands the power of God's grace, they're the ones who will love greatly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. This time I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward and please be seated as we serve communion.